BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Yeah. Boom, we can't get fooled again. I have Russia here because that was the You have last Russia thing. on the top of your head? That was the last thing I was... All right, well, then we'll start with Russia. Yeah, anytime. That's un- All right, welcome to the show, everyone. That's Marcus Parks. I'm Ben Kissel. We're joined by Saman Arbani. Hell yeah. Thanks for being here, Saman. Hell yeah. We just had a very heated debate before the show, which world conflict to start with, uh, which is really a problem that we have right many now. Many options, many so, options. So many options, far too many. So Do we many start with Israel and Palestine? Do we talk with about ISIS and Iraq? Afghanistan. Afghanistan. Ukraine. Russia. We've decided to uh, go with Russia. Russia. So let's start the show off with Russia, yeah. of course. Nigeria is old now with the kids. Oh, yeah. that, forget about yeah, it. Yeah, that hashtag is way down the line. <laughs> the hashtag is now like hashtag Kim Car- Kim Yay Day seventy four. Oh, she made it! I can't believe that their wedding lasted so long. It's the American Camelot. Mm. <clears throat> what a couple! Let's get to Russia and let's talk Ukraine. Of course, the plane went down. What's happening, Saman? You've been following this case. If this case, this <laughs> war, oh, you, this case, it is a case. It is a case yeah, to some degree. You heard a about global the, case. Um, the U.S. spy plane, right? No, tell me about it. So one day after the uh, Malaysian airline shut, you know, got shut down. Right. Uh, the Americans were doing a reconnaissance op. Okay. In, in they claim international air, which you know we can't prove or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then they realized, and this is this is a C-135 plane. It's like, it's a big plane. It looks like a commercial plane. So it's not like one of those stealth spy planes. But I mean, it is uh, armed to the gills, right? It's, it's not. Gonna, it's not. Doesn't have... Doesn't Just have, surveillance. No, it's, it's only defenses like radar, jamming, and stuff like that. But yeah. obviously, okay. it wasn't working well. The technology has changed. So they're flying and doing their recon, and then all of a sudden, they realize the Russians... Russian radars are tracking them. Okay. And they can tell because they can see being locked by a radar and then when their location changes they can see the pattern continue from different areas knowing that the Russians are tracking them basically. They have a lock on the plane and the more they move the more radars are continuing to follow them. I did just have the vision of Putin when he led the birds back south. (laughs) Do you remember that? The three birds. When Putin flew the birds. I did just have a picture of him just like following this U.S. spy plane with the birds uh, so they wore with in tow. The radar system. And then, um, so the pilot becomes a little bit concerned. He's like, um, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. And then they realize, they notice that there's another thing on, on their, popping up on the radar, and this was a fighter jet sent by the Russians. 
So, so now, the Russians are sending a fighter jet to go and combat our surveillance. So they're this, bringing they're bringing a knife base, to a pillow fight to a pillow fight. <laughs> right. And this is a day after they shot down the airline. So right, uh, the pilot panics. He's like, "What the fuck?" You know. And this is a very big fat plane. It doesn't. It can't really fly that I mean, fast. So if, if if a missile gets fired at it, I mean, it's done. It's done. Mm-hmm. Now you right. got a jet coming after you. So right. this guy makes a U turn, and he's scrambling to get the fuck out of there and the closest thing he find like he finds to try to avoid this uh, potential um demise the destruction of his <laughs> of his uh Con- de- this potential death and colossal right. international incident right. he busts a right and without uh giving the swedish government any kind of warning or any heads up they, they use the swedish airspace to get out of trouble and basically avoid any a possible threat by the Russian jet. Yeah. Well, this is what the uh, this is what the Swedish airspace is for. Kind of right. So it's, oh. it's, it's sort of like when you play the game doorknob. Yeah. growing up, and, and of course somebody uh, lets out a uh, a large toot, and then uh, until you touch the doorknob, you get beat up. Basically, <laughs> so basically uh, the Swiss Air. So they, they 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 left you know any kind of danger, and then basically the State Department made a statement the next day saying, "Yeah, we had to do it. We didn't have time to get your permission, and it might happen again down the line." <laughs> Were they? A, yeah. So was uh, Switzerland upset? Yes, Sweden. Sweden. Sweden was upset? Yes. I didn't get, I, Sweden, it just came out. Yeah, Sweden is, uh, they're peeved. They demand answers. They're peeved. calling for meetings. Well, they have to. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? You just, you know, you, you have beef with Russia, now you're using my shit, you know. Right. Um, so I'm sure the Swedes. So uh, there's a lot of red cheeks over there in Sweden. Yeah, but they're probably <laughs> going to work with the United States on this one. I, I would assume so. So, yeah, things are getting a little bit cold. So when you say cold, are you alluding to... Uh, Cold War 2014. Are we bringing back a classic? Uh, kind of seems that way. Yeah, it's kind of sexy, like like you know, back in the day, like that. It is fun, but of course, now with so many different world conflicts going on all around, uh, you know, so many different conflicts going around uh, all around the globe, going on all around the globe, it doesn't seem to have the the big prize fight that it once did. It's it's really it's I think it is headlining the card. But really, there's a lot of great underfights as well. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like this will get the same sort of international attention as it did back in the 80s, 70s? If it keeps early escalating, 90s? yeah, of course. This is kind of like, this is what... I mean, is Russia, the United States and Russia, 2014, you know, obviously, the uh, we no longer live in a world of one superpower... Uh, which was the United States for a, a nice run. We had a good 20 years, you know, where we were beating those Russians and they were out of the game. They're but back. Now, but now they're back. Not but only now we have back, China, but chi- that's so Chinese big. are even more strong. So is there, um, is it as important as it once was, the conflict uh, of interest between the Russians and the United States? Of course, yeah, I think so. Uh, but this is exactly what Putin wanted to do. Um, I was telling Marcus about it earlier. Uh, basically, like, this was Putin's dream since he was a kid. Right. When he so w- some kids want to grow up to be like Mike and drink Gatorade he and wanted, slam dunk from wanted, the uh, free throw line. He was a Stalinist uh, right. <laughs> Soviet. When he was 16, he, he went to the, he literally knocked on KGB's door in Moscow. And he's like, I want to, I want to work for my motherland and be a at KGB. 16. 16. So most kids in, in America, especially, are dyeing their hair and uh, getting piercings all over their body. Uh, some nipples are being torn apart 
by disgusting studs and things. And Putin went to a KGB. fascist organization that right. works for the government called the KGB and right. said, can I join? And the Russian mentality is like, whether the, the government's right or wrong, you always have to take sides with the government. Right. And that's that's how they think. So even if that's, that's, that's the KGB policy, basically, the, don't question because it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. It's but I mean, you know, but that's the same thing that the U.S. military has. I mean, you never question the... You don't question the person paying your paying your bills. Yeah, but in Russia's different because only one or two people make all the decisions. So right. it's not like people you have to uh, you know debate about issues and then take steps. Right. So at 16 Putin joined the KGB. He was happy to be no, there. No, he didn't join KGB. So KGB tells him Uh-oh. Uh, they tell him that um, for in order to work for KGB, KGB mm-hmm. comes to you. You don't come to KGB. Oh. So they turn him around. They, 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 they like basically walk away, but they give him some advice. They're like, meanwhile, you should learn as much language as you can and, you know, uh, pump up your language skills mm-hmm. and, and study law and politics. Right. That's exactly what he does. So in Do 19- you know, how many languages does he speak? I don't know. Good question. Yeah. That's a good question. So he went to, so he took their advice, went to study some so law. So he studied law in 1975. KGB goes to him. Oh, okay. So he, he did get exactly what he wanted. In 75, KGB uh, recruits him and he becomes a KGB agent and he starts working in West Germany. Going back to that basketball analogy, it's interesting. He was, so he wanted to, it was sort of like Michael Jordan when he wasn't allowed to play on the uh, varsity team when he was 16. He's like, I would, like year, yeah. Yeah, I would like to be on the varsity team. No, no, come back after you study, uh, yeah. you know, the game of basketball and then don't we'll come, come back. To, we come to you. Yeah, we'll, we'll come to you. But right. here's how you can increase your chances if we come to you you need to know these things right so basically they they, they started watching him maybe or and, and I, when he was i don't know i forgot how old uh in 75 they go and they bring him in um kgb training and also then they send him to west germany so in um 90 i think it was when did the berlin wall go down 90 well when when did david hasselhoff sing on it <laughs> that's when it went before to. that i think he was saying yeah. on 89 so maybe 90 91 something like that 91 was when russia uh, reagan was still in office 89 so. or 90 yeah, 89 so in 90 when the wall goes down right putin becomes very upset because he's like what the fuck why is my country fucking this up because this is this is part of the soviet this is our power this is our empire We're and he was in west germany when he, the wall went down so he, he saw it firsthand right and he was upset because he, he's an old school soviet guy he wants as much as land and territory and military power as he can possibly have right and they just lost it so in 91 when and he goes back to russia in mm-hmm. 91 when the soviets fall mm-hmm. he's a, he makes a smart move he doesn't resist the new democratic government with uh, Yeltsin. So he, what he does is like, I'm going to work with them. Well, this was Gorbachev in there in 91, wasn't well, it? Gorbachev, there was a coup. There oh, was a okay. coup and that's when Yeltsin comes to power. And he, with the help of Gorbachev, but Gorbachev fell out and, and Yeltsin was the man who took most of the credit for uh, introducing a new system in Russia. Democracy. Democracy. Right. So he, he works with Yeltsin's government to get into politics and from mm-hmm. from intelligence now he's involved in politics but his old his the entire time in the back of his mind he's thinking about the old soviet and regaining the power back right so make a very long story short he kind of overthrows yeltsin after a couple of years even though he was his friend for the motherland and in year 2000 well, this was 99 when when yeltsin yeah. gave him the presidency he was a exactly 
he was a prime minister, and then Yeltsin yeah. gave him gives. So him yeah, the, and we discussed that uh, we we discussed that on the last episode with uh, in '99 when when Putin set up the uh, yeah the the he, when he blamed the Chechnyans for blowing up the apartment right. buildings, and then of course yeah. he was able to exactly. take exactly take ups. So Yeltsin didn't just give him the no. presidency. I mean, it, it no. was like, well, you give it to me or you die. Right. You have two options. So and that's exactly what he does. He does things that he he. But saw. what was Putin during doing during the '90s? Was he just KGB number one climbing up the ranks in that he was uh, a foreign minister under yeltsin a foreign minister okay so what he does is um he he banks on things that he believed yeltsin didn't do too well one was okay. the breakup of the soviets and his failed war in chechnya because um yeltsin attacked and then right the chechnyans kicked the russians out and there was a embarrassing defeat for the russians and everything so so he, it was perfect though for putin that's exactly what he wanted he set up the person to fail and then he was able to come well, and he be didn't the set savior. him up to fail he just didn't believe but he knew yeltsin wasn't going to do well at war he just you know he, he wasn't even focused on yeltsin he was focused on bringing russia back to what it was back in the right. day and beat the shit out of anyone that questions it including the chechnyans and it must have been interesting i mean it's a bizarre idea to think about uh you know, growing up in the USSR, and then all of a sudden, when how old was Putin in uh, in the ninety uh, early nineties? So like, it was in his thirties when he came to power. It was in his early forties. So he was roughly like yeah, like our age, 30s. like 31, 32, 33. and then all of a sudden, his country completely he, disappears. It's just Russia. He was thirty nine when he got into politics. I can't, remember, I don't remember how old he was when he became president, but he was right. he was young. So, so then he he you know. Um, 9-11 happens and he sees that terrorist attack as an excuse to kind of join Bush's party on anti-terrorism and preemptive strikes against anyone who seems to be a threat sure. and that's how he attacks Chechnya and he beats the shit out of Chechnya this time and he puts a puppet government in there and his popularity goes up so the Chechnyans were considered they were terrorists the Russian the Russian people called Chechnyans terrorists yes Chechnya just, and, and then the US agreed with that assessment as well uh, the U.S. was more focused on bin Laden, Afghanistan, all right. that stuff. And, you know, they seemed buddy buddies, Bush yeah. and uh, Putin. And it seems like at that point in time, the whole world was pissed off at both the United States and Russia. Like Russia going into uh, Chechnya, us going more into the Middle so East. More so with the United States than yeah. Russia because no one really gave a shit about the Chechnyans as much. Right. Yeah. Uh, so all the focus was on this side and he went and he just hammered the shit out of Chechnya and put a government in there that's still in power and they're just like killing everyone. So we provided a nice smokescreen. It's sort of like Jay right. Leno uh, and David Letterman. Everyone was watching Leno during the 90s, but you know who had the good show? David Letterman. That's right. And Letterman got a lot more freedom, and he was able to say the things he wanted to say. Mm. So because we invaded Iraq, everyone's focused on us. Meanwhile, Putin's over there in Russia just committing war crimes and having the time of his life. <laughs> right. And no one cares, because everyone's focused on the... Uh, exactly. And the big guys over here in America. One thing that... Um, was very important to Putin's policies and his manifestos, uh, basically the same thing that we believe in in, in mm -hmm. the States, and that was energy. And, and basically, um, the country with the most um, production in energy and ownership over energy it will be the strongest nation in the world. And this is, of course, now why France and a lot of the European countries are having a difficult time with the sanctions because they get the majority of their right. energy from the Russians. Exactly. And the yeah. United States kind of like knew this and what we did right after the Cold I mean, War. How, that seems very logical. 
Energy well, that, is a course. pretty important thing. Yeah. I mean, what are the, the French have croissants, baguettes, beautiful women, and fromage. I mean, I can do without that, but I cannot do without lights, gas, gasoline, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, Netflix. <laughs> well, that's what happened. Right. But one thing we had done after the Cold War was after the Soviets fell, United States and the West basically started barricading Russia um, um, and kind of building this wall around them uh, yeah. by, by uh, having our own influence in countries like Azerbaijan and all these countries that are uh, neighbors to Russia and used to be under the Soviets. And what year was this? Uh, right immediately after the Cold War, like in 91, 92, okay. we started doing this. So the U.S. is sort of surrounding Russia by putting in different right. uh, people so in power and things like that. If you look at all the countries around uh, Russia, they're our allies and one of the uh, Ukraine is one of them Ukraine's becoming one and you know Ukraine's been going through a bunch of revolutions so we didn't did years. we put a uh, democratic um, regime in power in the Ukraine after after the uh, Soviet Union disbanded we don't put governments but we offer uh, money and business yeah. and trade and energy and that kind of stuff and you know that 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 goes further than what the Russians yeah. if you put this one if you put this person in or this type of government then it's not going to say that, you know, right. we're not going to give you, we're going to give you more money, but... We give you better weapons, mm-hmm. and uh, right. we do energy and all sorts of different trades, which, you know, U.S. is the strongest economy in the world, and you look at the Russians or the Americans, they're both pretty good, but you go after the Americans. Mm-hmm. And the Russians have always had a, they've been a shitty neighbor <laughs> yeah. and throughout the whole So history. it was an easy selling point for the U.S. It was, yeah. and, and where, where Putin gets a little bit pissed off and he began, becomes very aggressive was uh, one of the first countries we fucked around with, and they switch sides was Azerbaijan mm-hmm. uh, that uh, we made uh, pipeline deals with and oil. Russia was hoping to be the country to export their oil through the pipelines in, through Azerbaijan to the uh, to, right. to Europe, but they switched and they did this business with so us. So basically, if the when the USSR was around, the Soviet Union was powerful. Azerbaijan was just Texas. Kinda. They just had all the oil refineries, and that was like what their culture was known for. Right. But it was still part of Russia. Right. It was still part of the the Soviet Union. And they had Union. a choice. They could have done. They had. They have a lot of oil. Now, uh, did most of the countries have a choice to side with Russia after after the Soviet Union disbanded? Did these governments? Did the people have a choice to kind of stick with the Russian side? And their uh, political philosophies, or uh, or go with the United States, or was it just a was it more? Well, the Russians tried to keep as much as they could. Yeah, um, and that's why they call them separatists because Chechnya was one of the ones that wanted to break away. Azerbaijan uh, broke away, but most of them wanted to go like Poland. They wanted to go closer to the West and the Americans because they didn't do too well under the Soviets. You know, it was a dictatorship. They didn't have control over their business. Right, and the Russians were kind of like dictating everything they were doing so they tend to go t- the other way around well i mean in the russians defense they met polish people <laughs> and sometimes you know they need a little assistance so the russians feel weaker they're like fuck we this is this was part of our empire and now the the westerners are doing their best to take over these countries and right. and energy like azerbaijan and russia didn't have anything to offer they were bankrupt russia didn't uh but here's what happened uh, putin slowly uh, through the democratic system brought Russians back to the Soviet era. He used the country's wealth as an excuse to create private business, 
But that private business was actually going into the pockets of his own people who had major influence in the media and the government. So he allowed. So, so, he so this is them. 2001 now, right? So he's he's in office. The Chechen yeah. war. Is, this is all happening very quickly. And they won the Chechen war in the second round. They won, and right. they, they installed their own government in there, and the guy's still in power. And then, but you still had the idea that there were a, a capitalist society that you could go to Russia and make millions and millions of dollars that's and become what a billionaire, right. right? But that's what Yeltsin they, had promised. Right. And then but as soon did. as they got there billions of dollars there was a there was a russia was uh, it was the home of one of the largest populations of billionaires in the world for a little while still is and then yeah, slowly fastest um, but those guys are all connected to his people and if they weren't then they were like the fellow that we discussed on from the last Yukos. episode uh, mikhail um the guy from uh, the the richest man in the world yes. at the time from the company Yukos. 12 years in prison or something. and he warned the guy he's like look don't get into politics and this guy did get into politics right right but he had he was doing his business with the with the west so he uh, obviously putin didn't like this guy because he's powerful he's rich he's getting into politics he's russian and he likes the west he saw russia going with this guy towards a friendlier um western friend than than right russia being so if, so if- Putin, so he locks him Putin up. got his feelings hurt. He got his feelings hurt. So he locks him up and takes over his company, and he now slowly, the Russian government owns pretty much all of the energy. They do. They do. In uh, or in I, the area, it's private, but it's not. It's the same people that he 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 trusts, and they feed back into. the Is it media any different stuff. than what we have in this country? As far as like Exxon Mobil and all these large yeah, oil companies putting, but they they prop up and they give um, so much fundraising and so much money to uh, political candidates that they favor. You could almost argue it's a very similar process. It's true, but so could the Chinese. They could do the same thing here. <laughs> it's, it's oh, as far as yeah, right. There are the op- options are open. so the Chinese yeah. a, no a Chinese one, company could prop up a U.S. candidate that would right. then help out the Chinese or like APAC. Right. biggest Jewish lobby group in, in the States. Sure. They're very powerful. Uh, but in, in, in Russia, it's controlled all by the state. So they pick and choose where this money is going to go and how the media is controlled. So basically, he, he took over the media. No one can question uh, the, the government. And the, he's using the public wealth, feeding his private kind of mafia gang of politicians and businessmen right. who 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 feed into his government. And so regardless of what he does, I mean, he's going to have a, a, a lot of Russian support. It's sim- We, uh, Saman, myself, and Baratunde Thurston, we just shot this sizzle for a uh, for a travel show all weekend. But our last shoe was at a barber shop in, uh, what was it, 200th Street and Dykeman. Yeah, was the, Inwood. Uh, uh, Inwood, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 200th Street and Dykeman is the, um, is the address. It's called Sister's Salon. So if you need to get your hair cut, go there. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Um, but we were discussing Obama, and we were discussing it with Luis a uh, Luis a uh, he's a black uh, barber there, and he was saying that he supports Obama because he's black. He wants him to do well, you know, and he's upset with some of Obama's uh, policies and things like that because you know this is a minority group, and uh, you you feel as if you sort of have to you know stay together in order to beat uh, a larger megatron. Right. Um, and so if you're if you're a Russian, regardless of what Putin does, you're sort of like on his side because at the very least, uh, regardless of if he's right or wrong, he's, he's fighting for you. Yeah, and, and he's a patriot. He's a patriot. So so that's pretty much all the news media there. I mean, you look at the Ukrainian plane when that got shot down. 
All they did was just muddy the waters. They were just like, well, maybe the Ukrainians shot down, or the Malaysian plane. I'm sorry. Yeah, they maybe the up. Ukrainians shot down the Malaysian plane. Well, let me ask you this. As far as the sanctions goes, because we're putting some, you know, the United States and Europe yeah. is putting some serious sanctions on Russia right now. And I know two-thirds of uh, Russia's economy is exports, right. and most of that is natural gas and oil. Uh and since those people that work there in Russia, like they're going to feel the pinch of that, is that going to up the patriotism and give these people like a reason to follow Putin and make them more aggressive? See, the reason we did this was exactly because of what I said earlier. They know this is Putin's weakness. This mm -hmm. is this is what Putin's banking on, on energy uh, export and taking over energy sites around the world. So they're so using Putin's the weakness is yeah. just overreach because they know he, he, he Putin's banked everything. Uh, the success in his economy is all based on energy and mm. and how much other people depend on Russia for energy and right. how much he can get his hands on. Um, so the sanctions are doing it's they're having an adverse effect in his policies and what he wants to do. They're basically we're trying to put this pressure on him to hopefully uh, bring down his popularity and and kind of like question everything. But if I mean, yeah. but at I the mean, same is it possible that it would go the opposite way? Right, because if the sanctions go there and all of a sudden people become, you know, poor and they're waiting the bread lines again, can't you just blame I don't the know. West again? I mean, don't you don't just know. have another reason to blame? It might uh, it might give him an excuse to have a tighter grip on the government because yeah. we've had sanctions with Iran for thirty over 30 years and that hasn't worked. Mm -hmm. Right. And of course, France is still trading with them like military equipment and things like that. I well, mean, they, they're holding off on some stuff. Um, did you hear about that massive boat? The yeah, I, I, I thought that the boat was still on the way. Is it on the way? Yeah, I believe. Okay. I don't think that they stopped that. Oh, OK. Yeah, the French and the Russians, they, they've been buddies for a long time. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. And Russians do two things. They, they, they're they the second largest imp, uh, export of weapons mm -hmm. and natural resources. So when it comes down to the Ukraine and uh, in Russia, Crimea, what do you think is going to happen in this situation? Do you think that Putin feels as if he's bitten off more than he can chew at this point? I mean, so much media attention. How do you think he's going to deal with, with the scrutiny? Like we were talking about earlier, in uh, 2001, Bush gave him a nice smokescreen when we were going and blowing up the entire Middle East so Putin can kind of do what he wants. But nowadays, the media scrutiny internationally is a little bit more intense. Maybe maybe that's why he might wake up the uh, Cold War again, because he might see that as a deterrent. Do you think he's bold enough to stand up to the world and just say, we're taking over, uh, we got Crimea and we're going to take Ukraine whenever we want to? He's acting that way. Do you think he would actually do it? I don't think, I don't think, I think he's going to lose Eastern Ukraine with these guys, especially after the plane going down like that. Because um, he gave weapons to the wrong people. Yeah. I mean, these are just, these are farmers. He always gives weapons to the wrong people. <laughs> right. Every, every terrorist has an AK-47 or RPGs and stuff. It's all Russian made. Who's armed more people uh, that are dangerous to the world, America or the Russians? Well, depends how you, <laughs> the question, the question, the question is not right. We've armed a lot of states that are uh -huh. not necessarily making the right call. Uh, but we've also armed rebels. Nicaragua, the uh, Reagan, um, Iran-Contra mm. uh, scandal. Yeah. But the Russians also arm, and the Chinese arm a lot of militias and stuff like that. So there's no real answer for that. Right. What Would about you, ISIS over there in Iraq? We armed them when they were fighting Assad in Syria. Yeah, we paid them, we armed them, yeah. 
I mean, that's that's not we armed and uh, that's on. I mean, you know, we 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 criticize Putin for arming a bunch of local yokels over in Crimea and the Ukrainian area, and of course they made a mistake and shot down a Malaysian plane. We armed ISIS when they were fighting Assad in Syria, and they went over and took over Iraq. We armed the Mujahideen fighting the Soviets in Afghanistan. Maybe it's sort of like that uh, that movie Idle Hands when the guy got the uh, the fake hand put it on, he became a serial killer. Maybe when the ISIS got the U.S. weapons, they were just overcome by uh, by rage and emotion, and we're like, we better go to Iraq. I don't even know why I feel this way, but something's telling me to go. That, and also uh, we're missing a lot of U.S. weapons in Afghanistan that we, we don't know where they are. There was so, and so now, going back to Afghanistan, of course, the Russians lost to Afghanistan, and the U.S. is going to start arming Ukrainians now to fight the Russians, and they're basically... basically I guess the end game is a stalemate, which is what the Afghanistan-Russian uh, war was. The Russians were just like... Winded. I am. It's like a, it's like a. They were the the Afghanistan's were the Afghanis were running a marathon and the Russians were running a, a a sprint and they were just like, well, we destroyed them in the sprint, but I can't. I gotta. I need a breather. You yeah, know, that was pretty much. Were, that's why they. Uh, that they was left. their. That was their Vietnam. That's what we wanted to create. We wanted. And do we? So are we just going to try to create another thing in the Ukraine? With the are we just going to try to exhaust the Russians again? I mean, it's a good strategy, I guess. Yeah. I don't think that's what we're going to do. No. No. I don't know how. It, do you think there's too much go. media attention on it now? I mean, can we just? No, uh, it should be. It's pretty. You know, uh, Russia's a pretty powerful player here. Yeah, and we've that's been our arch enemy for for a long time, and they're coming coming back up. And and like I was saying uh, yesterday at the barber shop, love it. Some white on white violence. Yeah, it's so fun. <laughs> you know, we might install those missiles in Poland again and next thing you know they're sending missiles to Cuba I don't know it's gonna be interesting <laughs> so that's why you say uh, you know the Cold War part uh, part Putin two. would do that Putin would take it there I think so explain how that works. What what was the escalation of the Cold War? Basically, it is like the game of risk. You just start to put missile silos and bases and and weapons and set up uh, you know governments and uh, and military proxy wars and such. proxy wars yeah. just all kind of all over the world. It was about control of as much land uh, on this planet that you can have. What does Russia control? They, what about Cuba? They have a friendly relationship with Cuba, but I don't think Cuba's stupid enough to want to escalate things. Because it's not in their interest anymore, and I don't. I mean, Castro at the time, he was a politician. He was right. a revolutionary. I think he was come a long way to allow the Russians do stupid shit in their land now. And can we say he's still alive, but with an asterisk? <laughs> he's still alive. But he is technically <laughs> still alive, but yeah. what what is living at the end of the day, really? He's got to be close to ninety now. Oh my he's god, he's been old. He has been dying. His brother's old. The guy who's in everybody power. is old. Yeah. That runs Cuba, and they're fucking it up. So what's Russia's next step? I don't know. I don't know. What do you think Putin wants to do? I mean, he says he wants to get the... Uh, he reacts pretty quick. So after yesterday's comment... Flippant, I would say. Obama commented yesterday that we don't need Russia anyway. They don't make anything. <laughs> okay. So he was he was basically... I think, what does the U.S. make? Everything. We, we make everything? Well, we have the Chinese make it for us, but right. we make a lot. <laughs> that's the major issue, isn't <laughs> it? again a proxy type and, thing. We and that's what he with says. That, with, the Chinese, with the Chinese, what, do, what government does that, what uh, uh, economic base does the Chinese uh, need more? I'm going to assume the United States, but I will ask the question, the Russians or the United States? That was Obama's comment yesterday. Basically, Obama was saying this to tell the Russians that 
you don't have the same strength as you did before with your communist brother China because China and US are so economically dependent on each other right you no longer have that friend because that friend is more friend friendlier with me today it's and that's what he meant the Russian people basically their major fault they're made the cause of their demise is going to be they didn't love tchotchkes they didn't love things that could go into a claw machine right. at a restaurant and kids just pump the quarters in. Right. I mean, all, the, all the Chinese give us, for all intents and purposes, is garbage. It's plastic crap. It's all, it's nothing. And they steal and of our course, technology. Yeah, and they and they they buy they hack all of our all, the time. Uh, all of our metal and steel from, uh, well, from not only Detroit that, but and Michigan. Their stealth stuff. fighter was, you know, they have a stealth fighter, which is basically a, a ripoff of our... Um, A35 stealth plane. So we're Nike in their Reebok. Well, it's been known that they're stealing a lot of our intellectual property. And they just recently hacked into the Iron Dome in Israel. Right. Uh, So, but uh, I will say, just going back real quick. So uh, at the end of the day, push comes to shove. The Chinese, you think, would sign with the United States uh, if the United States really does choose to get extremely militarily aggressive with Russia. Yeah, Chinese are smart. They're like... And by side with us, I mean stay out of the way for the most part. Chinese know they have a lot of people. Yes. They have a lot of land. They have... uh, And the world depends on them economically. Right. And they know that... There's too much at stake for them to risk uh, their... their, And uh, that's kind of smart because the United States and China really need need each other, which keeps things a little bit neutral. They're not going to fuck with each other because... They have banks on both sides that there's a lot of economical stuff at stake. With Russians, we don't have that. And that's what Obama was saying yesterday. It's like, they don't make anything. Basically saying, I don't need Russia. And, you know. It doesn't matter. Um, So let's go to that comment you said, because, of course, we were discussing the dome over Israel that is just phenomenal technology. It's our technology. It's our technology that we gave them. and gave them the blueprint. They made it. and. Uh, and it, it, it intercepts, I, I feel like 80, 90%, 90%. Of, the, uh, of the missiles and uh, mortars that get sent over well, first from Gaza. Of all, let's define missiles. They're not missiles. <laughs> the, the Palestinians and the Hamas, what, what are they firing if they're not missiles? Uh, they're literally like rockets. They're like made out of pipes and shit. It's like crap. It's, it's garbage. Missiles it's a dookie. missile, like ICBM's a missile. These right, things are right. small. They're like six feet tall. Doesn't have a warhead, really. It's a little bit of like TNT in it. Shot by a slingshot, or what's the deployment of a device on these things? It's like a it's like a rocket. It's so it's like, a firework. It's just a, a powerful one that could. It's it really terrorizes people more than does any damage. Okay, just a big boom that scares the shit. Yeah, out just knowing but it's not going to take a building down or anything. No, it could bust a room. Yeah, you know, um, and if it hits an empty street, you'll see like a little dent about. Two feet big. That's okay, it. it's not. Oh, that's bad. not so bad. I drive around New York City constantly. I feel like no, it's bad. Have worse streets than uh, Israel does right now. You don't want to be riding your bike and getting smacked with one of these things. No, of course. But you know, it, it's not a missile. But yeah. their dome system is very effective of, of stopping these. Uh, yeah. The only problem is those rockets, rockets cost like five ninety nine. Ah. The missiles they're shooting these things down cost like forty fifty thousand dollars a piece. So if you sent up like a like hundred of these rockets, you're going to make Israel go bankrupt pretty So quick. it's sort of like a car crash between a, uh, a, a Geo Metro and a uh, BMW. It's like, yeah, it's a car crash, but one person lost a lot more. Right. 
So, but the Israelis can afford it, and they've done very well protecting their citizens. So we have the dome. The Chinese government, you were telling me this weekend, they stole the dome technology. Yeah. Like, they stole our stealth technology, and now they're going to use it uh, for they've their own purposes. They've stolen so much shit from us. I can't remember. But um, fighter jets, uh, all sorts of stuff, radar, and now this dome system they hacked into their uh, to the Israeli defense system and they stole all the information pretty soon they're going to come out with it drones so with the with the uh, dome system could it stop a missile yeah of course so it can so yeah. it doesn't it, it is it so it, but it must be more effective just because of the uh, it's the low grade artillery that they're getting it's, you know these things have been around for a while I remember the first time we stopped we started like shooting missiles down was uh, the first Gulf War with the uh, Patriot missile I remember mm-hmm. that they showed that on TV Damn. which was not really effective it shut barely shut down like maybe 20-30% of the scuds that Saddam was sending but the technology has been quite advanced since then they're doing really good. The and this is all Reagan's shoot. plan, right? Um, well, Reagan started the... Uh, maybe. The talking about with Star Wars yeah, and yeah, yeah. all that. Well, I mean, Star Wars was a dream. That yeah. was never going to happen. That was crazy. Yeah. I mean, it, it still was is. pretty fucking insane. Yeah, like shoot shit down with lasers and Real stuff. fun to think about, though. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> good video. I just love like, the idea one. that our president yeah. wasted like hours and hours with his... By the way, uh, Brady, the uh, the guy who took a bullet for Reagan, died yeah, today. Yeah, Brady Bill came from him. Oh, he died? Uh, yeah, he died. Oh, he died today. today. Yeah, he just wow. died. Yeah, yeah, Brady. Uh, of old age? or the, the Of old age. Oh, yeah, no, he made it. The bullet finally fucking went through. He got shot with the world's slowest bullet gun. It finally made it. Yeah, finally got to oh, his Oh, poor uh, guy. Poor guy. What do you think is happening? Uh, how's the uh, the conflict over there in Israel, between Israel and Hamas? I mean, it seems like as much as the uh, world tries to side with Israel, there does seem to be a growing concern that they are being slightly um, over-aggressive. Well, it's... it's all right, let's just say it's fucked up enough for the United States and the Israelis to exchange some very harsh words. And you were saying the this first the, time, the first time in history. Yeah. Or, I mean, well, yeah, I guess in history, as far as Israel and Russia goes, Israel's relatively new. I mean, uh, Israel and the United States goes. Israel's so new. And then so. Yahoo told Obama, "Don't second guess me." That's pretty shit. That's crazy, dude. We pay these guys. Four billion dollars a year, right? <laughs> and he's telling Obama, "Don't second guess me." So can Kerry came out and was like, "This is unacceptable." I, I forgot what the exact word they used today or last night. Um, the trust fund kid is hitting puberty. And he wants to uh, rebel. Well, yeah. I mean, I think Obama is worried that these are our weapons, and this is my veto count on all the votes and I'm the biggest sponsor of Israel and and these what do you mean veto count on the on the votes we've always every time the world's gone after Israel we've had a veto um, vote to in the United Nations nations yeah to to kind of take sides with it and what were some of the reasons that the world wanted to go against Israel because it's very difficult to hear information anti-israel well the illegal settlements uh, this is in Gaza so many well what? Gaza's not no West Bank West Bank um, there are so many settlements since 67. There, what about the argument that, you know, we constantly hear about Hamas? Obviously, they do. Um, they're mostly organized in civilian populations. They're just... But these are just... That's uh, very misunderstood. Explain yeah. that. Because I, I hear this is a... That's a, a rumor or like kind of just a, a disinformation. First of all, Hamas isn't a military, like a military. You know, it's... it's, it's, it's sort Do of they go a, through a boot camp? Well, they have their yeah. training and, you know, they have their own stuff that they do. But it's sort of like Gaza is like this open prison. So imagine if you have a prison with gangs in it. You don't call those gangs 
militaries. Hamas is made up of civilians who are resisting Israeli occupation or whatever their cause is. So instead of a terrorist group, could you call them like a militia? There are a militia, yeah. For a, a lot of countries, consider them as a resistant militia, uh, militant group that's also has a has a social uh, organization, building, developing schools and hospitals and stuff like that to support. Their but this is what everybody does who uh, want, who will then go and you know commit violent acts. They always give you like a well, nice yeah, little something, yeah. and then. But the, the point is like. Hamas can't build an airport. They don't have an air force. They don't have a navy. Right. And in a small, tiny place like that, they're not going to have a big ass fucking uh, Costco of uh, military training and stockpiles of weapons and shit. They got to hide their stuff because the Israelis will bomb the crap out of it every day. And this is where the tunnels come in. Everyone's talking they about the tunnels, Hamas tunnels. And they it? stash their shit here and there. Uh, which, yes. It, Sometimes they use it. Uh, they use humans as as a shield to hide this stuff, but at the same time, that's not an excuse to bomb a human shield. Right. So who do you give more fault to when it comes to civilian casualties? Because you know, Israel has come out in the best. This is truly. This is what Israel said. They said uh, civilian casualties and Hamas casualties are fifty fifty. That was the Israelis, and everyone else is like eighty percent civilian casualties, twenty. True. But I mean, I I would side with the eighty percent because if it's the best case scenario, and Israel's like, we're just killing half innocents. That's not. <laughs> that's not. I mean, unless I mean, if you're a baseball player, they are amazing. The the school they bombed last week, uh, UN had warned the military seventeen times. Right. Do not bomb this shelter because it's a school with 3,000 kids sleeping in it. 17 times and they bombed it. So some of that stuff is uh, excessive and, and they use compare, weapons compare. that's totally like uh, should not be used in, in, a, in an urban kind of warfare. Israel. Absolutely. What dude. kind of weapons should be used in, a, uh, in an urban style warfare? Not gigantic bombs, cluster bombs, right. phosphate bombs. You know, They use things that, that's, that will you know, instead of bringing down a house, brings down an entire neighborhood. Right. And that's going to, that's going to, that adds up to civilian casualties. Is Hamas as extreme as an organization like ISIS? We just, uh, what, 2004 ISIS came around and now they've really sort of hit their peak, uh, mm. 10 years in. Are they as, uh, like, I know ISIS in Iraq, it's like Sharia law. You've got to, uh, convert to Christianity, pay a tax, uh, pay, uh, and pay a tax or just get, you know, killed or hopefully escape. Is Hamas that extreme with the, uh, with the religion? I think the most extreme organization we have right now is ISIS. ISIS. Is. It's not ISIS anymore. It's just is, yeah, the yeah. Ilo- Islamic State. Yeah. They keep on short, they're like Prince. It's just gonna be a symbol soon. Right, pretty soon, yeah. Yeah, they've had uh, four different names. Yeah, they've uh, gone through, I can't remember what the first one was, but they've also, they, first they were just like Islam, uh, Islamic in Iraq, and then it was Islamic in uh, Syria, and then now it's... Uh, now they're ju- now yeah. we just is. We just is. <laughs> we just is, we just we just is, is baby. Because they they're, they're controlling a bunch of places in Syria and Iraq, both, and when it, slowly bleeding into Lebanon. When it comes to the West Bank, when it comes to uh, you know the Gaza Strip and obviously all the settlements and things like that, who do you think is right or wrong in this when it comes to the palestinian state when it comes to israel who is israel a better place or is it better for israel to own this land or do you think the palestinians would do just fine there i don't know what the solution is but i can tell you what the problem is as long as hamas 
believes that the Israelis need to just completely leave the country and they should not exist in that land, which is absolutely irrational, right. is stupid. It's not going to work with that policy. You can't come to a table and have, have diplomatic talks when Hamas says, forget about Israel, period. And as long as the Israelis are building these settlements and they keep occupying illegal land and they continue and they support it, the government's behind it, no one's going to come to a table and have a logical dis- discussion about bringing peace. But it's They're sort of both th- extreme. The government on the Israeli side is doing illegal shit. And Hamas is totally just irrational about like getting rid of all the Israelis in that land. They both need to figure out something else. So would you say Israel right now is just a victim of their own military success? Because I mean, it is. I mean, it is strange that Hamas is just like your state shouldn't exist. It's like it does. I mean, it just does. They're both so, victims of their own religion. I think. But uh, Israel, it, 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 you would prefer to be on the Israeli side. I don't want to be on anyone's side. Fuck that. <laughs> what about the Palestinians? Uh, now the, the PLO, Palestinian. Uh, PLO is uh, the good guys. Now. Yeah, these are the, these are the good guys. Yeah. Um, but now they also would tend to side more with Hamas, right? Now they do. Yeah, For, PLO's political extension is Fatah party. The okay. guys who rule Abbas, who rules West Bank. That's their government. Hamas is even in the government. Hamas right. won the government. But through uh, democratic elections, that's when Carter went to Palestine. And this you know, was the peace in the Middle East deal. This was Carter's right. big big plan. I mean, we didn't have any oil in in America, mm-hmm. and the economy was tanking. But then but. they beefed, and uh, Gaza and the uh, Hamas organization split up, uh, and and they started beefing with Fatah party. So they they had a problem with each other. But now they're regaining contact and communication and supporting each other again as a whole united Palestine, Mm -hmm. which the Israelis don't like and they don't want because that would open up a different front in the West Bank. Uh, If uprisings continue in the West Bank, then they have two sides to deal with. So if they continue to, if Israel continues to um, hammer Hamas, kill innocent civilians, they're really just going to create another enemy with the Palestinians and with the the Fatwa party and all these things. Well, the Fatwa party never was pro-Israel anyway. They've always hated Israel, but they also didn't have relations any relations with the Hamas group either. They kind of had their own But now they're problem. becoming friends. Well, now, yeah, because every time, you know, you see your own people die, you you come together and you join even the opposition group to defend your people and protect them. So you think now after this, I mean, the irony is, of course, uh, Israel is just constantly like we have the right to defend uh, ourselves. And of course they do. And uh, this happens uh, all the time. What's going to happen is they're going to go back. Hamas is going to rebuild the tunnels. They're going to rebuild the uh, rockets and shit. And we're going to see Israel attack them again in a couple of years, try to destroy as much as they can. And then the thing keeps continue. It just it reminds me so much of just a prison. You know, it's just you go and you get as many shanks as you can find in the yard. You do a lockdown for 72 hours. You have a ceasefire for 72 hours. Yeah. Neither know. side wants the other guy to be in that land. And as long as that continues, the the Jew, the hardcore Jews believe that God really gave them this land and no one should exist here except for Why them. would you believe in a God? And the, you know? and the extremists on the uh, Palestinian side believe that they have to fight till death, till they totally kick out all the Jews out of that area. 
And that's not going to... So it's just impossible. Impossible. Yeah. Well, and another thing that uh, I think Israel, another problem with uh, what's going on with them and how they're conducting themselves, is right now the government is being led by a lot of Orthodox guys, like ultra-Orthodox right. guys. And orth- Orthodox Jews can opt out of the mandatory IDF military service. That's true. Mm. So you've got these guys who have never put their boots on the ground. They have never fought. They've never seen someone die right in front of them. They don't serve. They're yeah. exempt from military. Yeah, they're exempt from military. Oh. So they don't know. With it, They haven't experienced the chaos of no. war. So they just they're just have sending this, people there. They just have this real religious ideology that this is the promised land. We are the promised people. And this is our home. And fuck the Arabs, fuck the Muslims, fuck the Christians, fuck everybody. This is our shit. As smooth Jeez. as smooth sure. as uh, Netanyahu looks, you know. As smooth. With, with, <laughs> he looks lumpy. <laughs> no, smooth. With his tie and his, you know, right, American right. accent and, sure, you know, sure. graduate from MIT and everything. Marcus is absolutely right. The politics behind it is extreme Jewish ideology and yeah. the promised land and they treat the Palestinians and non-Jews totally different. Well, everyone, you know, Ozzy Osbourne didn't get a lot right, but he did get one thing right when he said war pigs. And that's what the, and that's what they all are. Everyone, I mean, it reminds me of W yeah. as well. You know, they, no, they the love the thing. idea of, of war and, and military service and sacrifice. They've seen it in the movies. But and that's they, what keeps them in but, business. If there was right. peace, there wouldn't be a Hamas. If there was peace, there wouldn't be extremists like Netanyahu. Right. There wouldn't be Iron Dome. <laughs> what's the, what's the uh, maybe you can answer that economics of war? Is Israel doing better economically now uh, because of the war than they were before? Does the U.S. give them more money when they have conflict? What I, about Russia? I mean, I feel like the economics of war. For, again, going back to Putin getting into office after uh, you know Yeltsin there, it, uh, it definitely helps. Russia, uh, the war it, helps countries. Israelis are the largest or second largest uh, export in drones and technology and drones and military stuff. Uh, the Israelis are? Not military stuff, sorry, but drones. Yes. So who came up with the drone first? I thought that was a U.S. creation. That's actually a pretty good question, I can tell you. The first drone idea was by the United States in 1918, right after the first war. 1918? 1918, but they dropped it because um, after a bunch of tests, um, they gave up on the accuracy of it and they let it go till the till they picked it up again after the second war because the the Germans started using it something similar to a drone called the V1 project and they started okay. bombing the shit out of London with it and, and these were unmanned uh, crafts unmanned. That, that had yeah. bombs on them not accurate at all but it, it, it could hit a city that they were shooting for and then the Americans picked it up again because they're like oh this is a project we started in 1918 and the Germans have developed some technology that's making that's basically jumping the problems that we couldn't solve and let's pick it back up so where the, the Chinese are stealing the dome from Israel we stole a lot of technology from the Germans and the early everybody uh, stole yeah. the, the idea Forms. of the drone was ours 1918 was the first time that any country actually thought about this kind of uh, warfare but right. after the second war we stole so us the french the brits and the russians were so behind the germans that we everything we learned from uh, the missile system going to the moon really if the germans had the germans were the first people that send send uh, a rocket into space and mm. that was the v2 technology it was a ballistic missile so after the second war we pardoned a lot of uh, nazis by 
allowing them to work for us, and instead of trying, you know, putting right, right, putting them on. Well, there on are track. bad guys now, so they're good. We learned we learned about their jet technology, missile technology, radar technology, and we stole a lot of shit from them. They were, they were like forty years ahead of us. And How long? Drone you- was one of them. That's fascinating. 1918. Because they developed the first functioning drone, but we actually had this in mind in 1918, right after the first war. That's amazing. Mm, that's how long do you think the uh, how long do you think this conflict uh, in the West Bank Gaza is going to go on for now? Forever, because there's no solution in sight. But what 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 about this this latest round? Is there going to be uh, even even Kerry this, said uh, this is you know um, what what did Kerry say exactly? Why like, why exactly um, does the U.S. need Israel? Uh, I'll tell you why because after the second war. The Russians and the West both understood that the Middle East is very new and it's very logistic to their powers. I mean, this is the this is the the, the bedrock of civilization is the Middle East. Well, it, it still goes back to the East and the West, and uh, uh, the the Russians were actually one of the first people, if not the second country, that came and acknowledged Israel, and they started banking on on the Jewish community in Israel because a lot of Eastern European Jews moved to Israel. So the Russians were hoping they would get Israel on their side, but oh. when the Israelis took sides with the West, the Russians got pissed and they started putting their money into Syria and all these other Arab countries. So the Russians so the so Israel was the pretty girl at the dance. It was the pretty then, girl at uh, the dance. They chose they chose the United States and then the Russians just went and banged all the ugly ones, but as many as they could get. Right. The Russians thought they had Israel and they were one of the first people to jump into acknowledging Israel and voting for it to become an independent country. But as soon as the the Jews moved to Israel, they realized, oh shit, they're going after the uh, Western weapons and Western and United States uh, support. England was really involved in it as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. So oh, England yeah. wanted uh, Israel on their side. England w- had a lot to do with drawing out the map in the Middle East. Yeah, because it seems like England was in right. there. They had a lot to do with drawing out the map, and they just a lot of check the fuck out. Did they hire the Zionism? Old? Really started in 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 the whole concept started, I think, in the twenties from the Jewish community in England. So yeah, Great Britain had. A lot and Zionism, the end goal was to get a homeland. Exactly. Right. The promised land, because it was in their book. Right. It wasn't just any land. That was the land, because God had promised it. So that's just going to go on for uh, for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, and that's when the Russians started giving the Syrians and everyone else in the Middle East so much weapons, like all the Egyptian weapons. Uh, till recently, now we're giving them F-16s and shit. It was all, you know, it was all Russian. Syria's weapons is right. all Russian. So again, it really goes back again to the superpowers and all of this shit. It, so you want, but if you really, it's it, the, the U.S. gives the best weapons. The West, the oh, yeah, got, we we give the got we the, give the nicer stuff. If you're with Russia and the Chinese, you spend, you get some good weapons, but you're not getting the top quality like, stuff. The second country behind us is Russia, and we spend twenty five times more money on developing weapons per year than the Russians. Now did. that's interesting because I know that was one of the main reasons uh, for their collapse was they were spending 35% of their GDP on military, on military. and that's why they but how much of a percentage of our GDP is that then? If we're spending 25% more is it still under 5%? I don't know. That's a good question. I have to... I, I, I think it, I, I think it's roughly 4 or 5% uh, percent that we spend on, but on military. But that's why Reagan's Star Wars is so big. That's 
that's why Reagan's Star Wars drove the fucking Russians insane because they're like, what? what? Are you fucking serious? Are we going to go that far? And that was part of Reagan's plan. So there was I part- don't think they, they, I think they understood that this is not going to be real reality. Right. But it was enough threat for the Russians to freak out and be like, shit, we can't, we can't do this. I can't believe what they're thinking about making over there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was the thing about Reagan. And this is the one issue that I have with Obama right now, acting. Reagan could act. I mean, everything was so important and so dire and so... He um, was an actor. He was an actor, of course. Bad a, one, a worse actor than he was as an actor as a president. Uh, he was a great acting president. Yeah, he could read the um, prompter. And, and Obama cannot act. He has no... You, you don't get any sort of um, sense of urgency or sense of pride or sense of safety. Uh, he's really just so clinical with his approach. He's given some good pres- speeches, to the but yeah, he's not... He's a, given lar- he gives very good, large, grandiose speeches. Yeah. But uh, as we know, as a, as a stand-up comedian myself, you have to be able to perform in front of three people or 3,000, and it's more difficult to perform in front of three, which is a bizarre irony. Sure. Um, and he can't perform for the small groups. So I feel like that's his number one problem right now. He just doesn't... I feel like his policies overseas, for the most part... We'll get to ISIS. We don't have that much time, but let's touch on ISIS briefly. Um, they're okay. I mean, I don't. You can't exactly go and invade Russia, uh, you know, uh, because of Crimea and Ukraine. I mean, we we can't have boots on the ground and American blood, uh, you know, spilled for all that oh, nonsense. No, it's not going to get there. But uh, but you do need to present, uh, you know, well, at least you you have to have the facade of strength, and he doesn't have it. Um, but what about now? Let's just touch briefly on ISIS and Iraq. Obviously, we discussed earlier how we sort of armed them a little bit uh, when they were fighting Assad. We're pretty much on Assad's side now, right? We're not on a side, like side side, like giving him intelligence, money and weapons. But right now we don't want him to lose control over Syria. So you're on a, So by definition, we're on his side. If we want him to stay in power, I mean, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, not publicly. Not publicly, but we've, I think. Which is just so, this is why, again, this is why I think Obama's, well, Obama did want to go in. Uh, to Syria, I think he was after the chemical bombs. Yeah, which of course I believe was probably uh, rebels doing it. I mean, now that we know that ISIS was part of a rebel group, it doesn't seem surprising that if they got their hands on chemical weapons, they would have used them. It could have been government people doing it, but that didn't that didn't necessarily mean that Assad had ordered it. Yeah, it's fucking chaos. There, it's anarchy. It takes one idiot to do something stupid, right? Uh, without the knowledge of the government or whatever. That's how the con- con- country's totally out of control. So if we would have gone into uh, to Syria, we would have propped, propped, uh, propped up individuals like ISIS to we an wanted- actual government position. Yeah, but we-, we would have taken Assad out of power, and there's a huge vacuum, and it's always the most aggressive people who win, and ISIS, I think they win most aggressive award. Mm-hmm. By far. But we weren't going to go invade uh, Syria. Obama's thing was, we're going to bomb you. And that, that was the plan. Obama already knew that we fucked up in Afghanistan and Iraq. He wasn't going to go put soldiers in Syria. Right. He, he, he meant, what he meant back then was, uh, we'll bomb you. We'll and by have bombing a, them, he was going to help out the rebels. We'll have a no-fly zone, kind of like what we did with Iraq back then. So if you send a plane up, we'll shoot it down, and we'll, take, we'll do daily missions on bombing places in Syria. So we're going to bomb them. We never really do it, but we give enough military um, equipment and, uh, and an arsenal to these Really, these lunatics. We saw the video of the man eating the other person's heart. Yeah. You know, a Syrian rebel who uh, who killed a Syrian soldiers and ate his heart uh-huh. as if he was going to gain eternal life from doing so. And then it and it goes uh, into Iraq, and now all of a sudden Obama's hands off. No, we, we don't you feel like don't you, I, I do actually think there's a certain amount of um, 
I think that there's a certain amount of blood on our hands and enough blood on our hands that I think that we should probably go in Syria and, uh, and push ISIS back. But it's actually even worse than Afghanistan because we've lost billions of dollars that we don't know where they went in suitcases and in suitcases and, su- and weapons. We have no the the Afghan government has no idea where all these weapons are right now, and we've given them tons and tons and tons of weapons. There's right. probably millions of shit out there that we don't know where they are anymore because the Afghan government has no idea where the money is, where the weapons are, and the shit through the corruption has gone who knows where. Is Afghanistan just generally been known as a corrupt state? Always. Yeah. Always. Yeah, there are all these tribal communities. Yeah, I, I'm, and it starts from the top. Karzai's family was all fucked up. Yeah. His brother was involved in narcotics and, you know, the so opium So why trade. did we put him in power? Because after the 9-11 um, attacks, U.S. had to do something. Yeah. And, and that was the and worst. Karzai just happened to be the dude. Well, Karzai was already close to the uh, Bush family, Lisa uh, Rice. Okay. They had done... Um, Karzai was... He worked for Shell. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Karzai was actually... Before his political career, he was involved in oil. And that's... He was one of the guys we knew. Yeah. And he was Afghan. We're like, okay, go and do your thing. Devil you know. So it, it wasn't really thought out. And, and even the Russians back then tried to warn us. They're like, trust me. <laughs> we've, <laughs> we've been there before. We've lost 16,000 soldiers. It didn't work out. We moved and like, we right. had to pull out after 10 years. It's not a country you can fix. But Bush had to do something because the whole country expected him to do something. He could have gone into Saudi Arabia because, of course, it was all Saudi Arabians (laughs) who blew up our buildings. But that doesn't matter. Saudis and Pakistan. Right. Pakistan's the country that sponsors Taliban and Al-Qaeda. So what do you think, uh, lastly, with ISIS in Iraq? We haven't done anything. Really, mm-hmm. uh, to uh, to support these local these local governments that are just getting completely mm-hmm. overrun by people holding our weapons, believe that it or are not. then putting in place Sharia law that are not allowing women to go out of uh, their homes. Uh, Christians are getting murdered. Which, believe it or not, the only know. country that that's actually doing anything to fight ISIS right now is Iran and Lebanon's Hezbollah under Iran. And these, why is that? Uh, because ISIS is a Sunni extremist uh, group that is a threat to the Shiites and Iran's influence and power in the region. Um, Iraq is more than 60% Shiite, so Iran has a lot of interest in that country. Yeah. And it's uh, and Syria is a Alawite, which is an extension of the Shiite uh, religion. Is Iran doing well fighting the uh, fighting the uh, ISIS or um, is mm, Iran can't do it alone. They have to do. Right now, Iraq is such a fucking mess that it it. This is the kind of stuff that actually would bring people like United States and Iran to a table where they can agree on some stuff that right. they have a common, um, common enemy enemy and work yeah. with. Iran did it with Afghanistan. I mean, Iran over Afghanistan worked very well with U.S. U.S. could not do what they did in Afghanistan without Iran's help. There was a lot of secret meetings where Iran came out with a map of intelligence, and that's exactly how the United States, with the help of Northern Mm. Alliance, which was Iran's boy, uh, overcome Taliban. And with Iraq, Iran also extended their, uh, you know, their... Uh, intelligence and one willing to work till Bush came out with the axis of evil speech and fucked it all up. And right now with Iraq and Syria, <sighs> it's the best thing to do because Iran's very powerful there. They have Hezbollah and they have their own people all over the place. There are Iranian soldiers in Syria right now fighting. Um, for Assad. 
for to keep Assad's government. Yeah, right. they're training their military and stuff like that. Um, so over that region, really the best thing for United States is to work with Iran. Iran's a superpower there. They have a lot of influence, they right. have a lot of weapons, they know the region very well and they have common enemies within the United States that they can come together and work with. But I mean, it's not a place where Iran can alone deal with or United States. So, I mean, Iran, if ISIS continues to uh, get, uh, you know, more and more powerful and continue to uh, gain support, I mean, I mean, ISIS does the same thing that every invading, uh, you know, force does. They give a lot of people food and things like that, and they provide, you know, water. They're very rich. They're also wealthy. robbing everyone of their wealth, you know. And freedom, dare I say it. Dare, 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 dare it. Dare it. I say freedom. ISIS is robbing freedom. They're taking it. Uh, but let's just say they get extremely powerful in Iraq. Would Iran ever go into Iraq and try to take a... I think Iran's already active in Iraq. We yeah. just don't hear about it as much. They're definitely active in Syria. I'm 100% sure they're active in... But in, they seem to be fighting for, for the United States. This, they they're seem fighting to be doing, for themselves. They're right. fighting to keep the Shiites in power because it's the best thing they can do for Iran. Because last thing Iran wants is all this shit to leak into Iran and become a, a, a local problem. Right, right now, they're trying to keep their influence outside, and it, it's a trade-off. But if it leaks into Iran, it's even better. So they're doing what they got to do for themselves, but it's the same thing they have in common as an interest as the United States does. Um, they're which is what? Which is to keep the extremist Sunnis who are fucking acting like worse than Al-Qaeda out of power. Uh, one Either. of the big problems the United States is having right now is that there are a lot, I mean I wouldn't say a lot but at the very least dozens of Americans leaving America and going and yeah. fighting for ISIS and we don't know, like when these yeah. people come back are they going to come back and carry out uh, terrorist here. attacks here in America? Because they are right. American citizens. Yeah, we, so had, we don't know. that first suicide bomber, American guy? Did you see his video? First American suicide yeah, bomber. Yeah, a bit of a jump ball. Fucking hard. A heavy set fellow. Yeah. <laughs> I just American. saw another one where there was a, a guy holding a kid, and there was another uh, yeah. another ISIS guy had a kid on his shoulders, and they're both holding AK-47s, and one of them's like, the children are very happy. They're having a great time. Mm. And it's that's what they're saying, and so they're doing these right. videos where they're making it sound very... And it's... the quality of film is amazing HD camera like, it, it is an yeah, HD yeah, yeah. camera it's it looks Oprah's. great it's so it romanticizes the thing so much it's, right. it's very dangerous here in America as well it's gonna affect us they could come back here and fuck things up here for us yeah, yeah. when was the, when was the last time the United States and Iran were friends 79 79 and then and then of course well, the coup happened and in the, 2001 the they somewhat became secret friends when they started talking secret ab friends yeah when they started working uh, about like they started working on Af the Afghan plan so they were like Anderson Cooper and his boyfriend yeah the United States realized secret. they had secret meetings and yeah. that's when the United States realized that they need Iran's help in order to because Afghanistan was a foreign piece of shit land to, right. to, the, to the Americans that they hadn't really monitored in years but the Iranians always had beef with Taliban uh, in 96 they almost or 98 98, Iran almost went to war with Afghanistan because the Taliban took over Kabul and they executed nine diplomats. Um, so Iran had, a, and Iran's best friend was the Northern Alliance. And that's exactly who the United States had to count on in order to defeat Taliban. So, so why, why is Iran in the United States, why, why we've, been, uh, we've been so stressed? Israel. Just Be Israel. Because the worst thing that could happen 
to Israel is if U.S. and Iran became good friends, um, that would change things around. And also, what if we befriended Iran? I mean, I mean, obviously, then Israel might be, you know, they might be like Russia, uh, just sort of the, the the odd man out. But it's really like not? it's like having two friends who hate each other. It, well, right. Here's the weird thing. Like, but I mean, Iran seems to have a lot of influence in the Middle East, and they seem to be a country that can kind of get some peace. When it comes to Middle East, this is going to sound weird, but the Arabs, like Saudi Arabia, the Gulf countries and stuff, have more of an interest with the Israelis in their policies. The Arab countries. The Arabs like the right. Israelis? They have the same common enemy, which is Iran. Because the Saudis and Iran have beef. Um, Israelis and, and Iran what are have beef. So they actually have more in common when it comes to Middle East policy. And Iranians and the Americans have more in common when it comes to Middle East policy. But the Americans are allied with the Saudi Arabians and, and the Israelis. Israelis. Right. But to the interest of both countries, really, the Iranians and the Americans have more in common. Huh. They, can, they, they would work better in, in keeping shit on. So the let's say the Arab nations and Israel get together and join forces, and the United States and Iran join forces. Then what does the Middle East look like? It would be the same shit. <laughs> it would look the exact same. It would just yeah. flip things around a little bit. But it would if, for us as Americans, uh, it's best to work with the Iranians to keep shit under control. Yeah, I'll say I never met an Iranian I didn't like. No, yeah, I mean yeah. of course. Or Arabs, you know, I've, the Iranians and Arabs don't get along, but I've met so many I've traveled all throughout Middle East and they're really good people it's just politics and religion fuck things up and same the Saudis and b over Iran during the Bush, Bush administration both the Israelis and the Saudis were sending cables to secret cables to, to, to US to attack Iran they both wanted the United States to attack Iran because it's in their best interest for both Israel and Saudi Arabia to get rid of the Iranian government and Saudi Arabia and Israel don't like each other they don't like each other because of the Palestinian situation, but the Saudis really do like the Israelis because they couldn't care less about the Palestinians and so haven't they like offered the any kind of help or assistance to the Palestinians. But so what keeps if the they publicly, that's the answer to your question, if they publicly take sides with the Israelis, then they're going to have an uprising in their own country because the people are sympathetic towards the Palestinian cause. The government is more like, fuck them. It's very complicated. Yeah. <laughs> But, it, it but really... Um, is it because the Palestinians are a little bit more tribal and a little bit more traditional and uh, Saudi Arabia Arabs. wants to be more Western and more uh, sophisticated? The Saudis are very... Uh, it's about money. It's about um, expanding, you know. The Saudis are very weird. It's a very fucked up country. They, they're control freaks. It's a very uh, fragile country. But what they do is they they create these instabilities in places like Iraq and Syria. They fund these terrorist organizations to control their people. That They do it to turn around and say, yeah, I know you don't like me, my own people, but guess what? I'm protecting you. If if So they create the problem so they can solve yeah, the problem. Yeah, basically they scare their people. It's scared straight saying, like, if I, if I wasn't looking after you... If, this country would end up being like It's Munchausen Iraq. syndrome. It would be like it's Iraq whatever or government Syria. does. Right, so that's yeah. what they do. Yeah, keep them sick so they can uh, be in constant need of your medicine and then get them sick again when you, when you heal them. Exactly. That's it. Thank you so much, Saman. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thanks, man. As always. Uh, man, you're the best. Um, all right, that's Saman Al-Rabi on Twitter, and I'm Ben Kissel on Twitter, and of course, Marcus Parks on Twitter. And uh, email us at uh, cavecomedyradio at gmail.com uh, with whatever you want to say. Um, all right, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Okay.
Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.